Well, a very warm welcome again to Revelation Church. My name's Rich. Uh, I'm one of the guys here that helps lead the church. Um, it's great to have you all with us. Um, a very happy Father's Day. I recognise we haven't actually said... Well, hey, fathers, stand up. Fathers, stand up. Fathers, stand up. Great, we love you guys. Um, brilliant. Um, well, as a church, we're working through a series um, on spiritual warfare um, out of a book in the Bible called Ephesians. Um, this is our last uh, last week on it. Um, so we've come to the end of our yeah. Oh, it is a sad time. Um, we've had so we've had ten weeks, um, and this is the last one. So um, you've come in for a real uh, rousing last. Well, not last, obviously, but. A last uh, hurrah of the series. So, um, I, yeah, um, you're very welcome, and I hope you really uh, get all that God's got for you out of what I'm going to bring um, and share. Um, so, I just uh, I just want to pray before we get into it, um, and then and, and then we'll go. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity of being able to um, gather around your word. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity of being able to preach your word. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would be here by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would um, cause impact in life. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your word, Lord, would be living and active. Lord, I pray that it would um, affect lives. Lord, I pray that your word would challenge us and change us. Lord, and bring us to a place of submission to you. Lord, where we honor you and love you with all that we have and all that we are. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us, Lord, that you would guide us, Lord, um, and, and you would just bless this time to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So in the, in the new Karate Kid film, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the film, but in the last round, in the last round of the tournament, um, the little guy, Trey Parker, um, is played by Jaden Smith, um, he's had his leg broken. Um, he's received minor medical attention, um, but he's in a bit of a bad way. Um, the clock's ticking down, um, and just before he has to forfeit the match, he returns. And, and limping into the arena, he comes, um, and the suspense of the film is building. Um, he takes his stance on the map, and the crowd just goes silent, waiting in anticipation. Surely, it can only go one way. Surely, he's broken his leg, the bets are against him, um, his opponent confidently approaches, seemingly just to finish the guy off and just, um, just be done with him. But this little, this little guy, Trey, seizing the opportunity, does, does a one... F- a somersault off one foot um, and deals a fatal blow to his opponent and wins the match. Hurrah. What won it for him? What won it was the opportunity and the boldness that he showed. The opportunity to exploit this guy's um, seeming casualness and, and, and exploit that weakness. And, but at the same time, the boldness to attempt a move that he'd never done before and, and try something new and try something different. And today, uh, we're going to be looking in the Bible um, at how Paul, in Ephesians, he doesn't do a one-footed somersault, but um, he took the opportunity um, and he proceeded with boldness into his own battles and the things he was facing. Um, and, and, uh, and we can apply these principles to our lives. Um, we've been looking at the subject of spiritual warfare over the last 10 weeks. Um, and so if you, the words are going to come up on, behind me on the screen. But if you've got a Bible with you, um, why don't you just turn to Ephesians 6. I'm going to read the whole passage um, from verses 10 to 20. Um, there we go some of you guys at the back you may not be able to see that 
Um, but if you've got a, somebody with a Bible next to you, why don't you just lean over their shoulder or something? Okay, so Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you are able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm... Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so in this series, we've worked our way through this entire passage. Um, we've looked at who our, who our enemy is, um, as it tells us, rulers, authorities, cosmic power, spiritual forces. We as, we, we as Christians, we have an enemy, uh, an active enemy. Um, it's called Satan. Um, and these, these rulers and authorities uh, are effectively his agents. And so they act out his will um, against, uh, against those who believe. And so Paul instructs us to stand against them, to stand firm. Um, we've looked at uh, what it means to actually stand firm against these uh, cosmic powers. We can see that in four verses he mentions us to stand or withstand four times. Um, we've looked at the individual pieces of armour in turn and we've worked through each of those um, and how they equip us for battle um, and what it means to put them on or take them up. Um, and last week we began to look at our weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and how it's applied directly through prayer. This week is almost a continuation of last week, really. Um, it will be looking at the sword again, although in this time, instead of how it directly applies to prayer, we'll be looking at how it applies to proclaiming our faith. If you think of the sword as like a double-edged sword, it's got two blades. One of them is prayer and one of them is proclamation. And one of them is, is praying to God with all supplication and one of them is proclamation of the gospel, which is what we see in verse 19. So I'm just going to read uh, quickly just over those last few verses again, because that's really where, where we're going to be focusing in um, for our time this, this afternoon. Um, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Um, we need to do a little bit of deconstructing of this passage. So we're going to um, go to work on some of the, some of the smaller uh, sentences in this, in this bit. But what that might mean is at times I might miss out certain clauses or something. And largely because there's so much uh, overlap between last week and this week that actually what, if you really want to get the full sense of the picture, listen to last week's message and this week's. Um, and that will just kind of help round your thinking rather than thinking, hey, you missed out that bit or that bit. Um, 
So at first glances, it's a fairly straightforward passage. Um, it's quite a personal passage, Paul's sharing something of his, of his uh, time and his struggles. Um, but it's also a very challenging passage as well. Um, and so we arrive halfway through in verse 18, where Paul says, to that end, and this leads into the last sentence by reflecting back on everything that's happened. So to that end, so basically all that he's built up over these, first, over these verses from verse 10 is now culminating in verse 18, where he says, to that end, um, and so he's referring back. He's not just referring back to kind of the last piece of armor or the last idea. He's referring back to the whole passage. Um, he says, keep alert with all perseverance. See, we can't let our heads go down. We must stay alert. Um, we, we can't afford to fall asleep. We must be vigilant. Um, it, Paul says it's, like, it's a battle. It's not like a battle. It is a battle. So the Christian walk isn't just like um, struggles and trials and, and things. It is like that. It's a battle. Um, and that's the reality of it. To keep alert with all perseverance means to be ready to leap into action at any moment. You see, we've got to be watchful for the schemes of the devil, which we read about right back at the beginning of, that, of those uh, verses, um, and spot the weakness. And we've got to be prepared to pounce, much like uh, Trey Parker did in, in the Karate Kid. We've got to be ready to take our opportunity. Um, and Paul's clear in chapter 6 that we're in a battle and we must be vigilant. Um, and as we look on, we'll see a little bit of a glimpse of what he means for us to be vigilant. Um, and so now, in verse, in verse 19, he says, um, And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I really want us to focus on this, on this sentence. Um, it, seem, it's, it would seem that previously he's been talking corporately, so pray uh, with all supplication for all the saints. And now he's getting personal. And also pray for me. And also pray for my situation. Um, at this time, uh, Paul was uh, under house arrest. He was in Rome uh, when he wrote this. Um, at the end of his life, he was basically taken as a prisoner um, to Rome. And uh, while he was in Rome, he wrote these let this letter to the Ephesians and other letters as well to other churches. Um, so he's under house arrest at the moment. But notice that he doesn't ask to be set free. He doesn't ask for freedom. And uh, it's also widely thought by a lot of scholars that actually given the persecution that he'd faced in his life, he'd have been in a lot of, he'd, he'd have had a lot of um, pains and, and aches and his body would probably have been bit, beaten pretty bad. At times he was left for dead, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he, was, he, was, he took a bit of a beating. And, but he doesn't even pray for his safety or for strength or for something. What does he pray for? He prays for boldness. He seems to skip over all the other things. He prays for boldness is the thing that he's going for, which seems a little bit out of context to where he actually is. And so why does he pray for boldness? Well, he prays for boldness because he needs wisdom to speak and boldness to speak confidently to those that he's facing, to those that are putting him on trial, the accusations that are coming, those that are judge, presiding judges over him. He needs boldness to speak to, speak to them. And he's not a stranger to fear. Um, he's not ignorant of it. He's been intimidated, as, we've, as we can read in the book of Acts, several times. Um, he's not, he's, you know, all that persecution, there's bound to be elements of fear along the way. But he's not, he's not bowing to that. He's not a stranger to fear. Um, but I think, I think primarily what he, he doesn't want to be caught off guard by fear. 
Um, he doesn't want it to kind of sneak up on him. And so he prays for boldness. He prays that he would be bold in the face of accusations, in the face of trials and things. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, Tanika and I went to Rome for a holiday. Um, and whilst we were there, we went to uh, the Vatican, to St. Peter's uh, Basilica, which is a huge church. Um, and at the top, they've got this amazing dome. Um, and a part of the tour is you can walk up to the top of the dome. Um, and so off, off we went, uh, climbing up the stairs. Um, and initially, they start quite broad. It's quite nice. It's, it, it's, it's a fairly easy uh, stroll up the hill um, or up the stairs. Uh, and you kind of go further and further up. And the further and further up you get, the kind of smaller and smaller it gets, until at one point you step into the dome. And then it's kind of really tight. And kind of as you're walking along, you're kind of, you, you have to follow the curve of the dome. And so as you go further and further up, it kind of gets more and more uncomfortable. Um, bearing in mind I'm scared of heights, I should have seen what was coming next. Um, and and as, as we arrived at this opening, there was a couple of stairs that just went up. And these two stairs led to a ledge that was about two foot wide, and it just went around the interior of the dome. Um, and there was no sort of, there was no sort of, well, there was very little sort of safety guard in that respect. And literally, I got, I got to the end, um, and I was just about to turn out, and I got to those steps, and I just froze. Um, I, I was physically could not move, um, and it was really, it was really bizarre. Um, but the, the, this fear had just kind of caught me just so off guard. And it was just, I mean, I should have seen it walking up the stairs, to be honest. But I got there, <laughs> and, and kind of like just the fear set in, and it was just like... <gasps> And all of a sudden, there's kind of a dozen tourists or something coming up behind me, just like, what's going on? What's going on? Get out the way. And um, Tanika's just laughing in hysterics. But my <laughs> palms are sweaty. My knees are shaking. I'm a complete wreck. Anyway, I managed to compose myself and got out onto the ledge, which was great. Um, but, 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 but the point is that kind of I wasn't prepared for the fear that was coming. And once I took a bit of time to compose myself and I was prepared, actually then, then I, I tactically stepped out, albeit tentatively, I'd stepped out of my comfort zone onto that ledge. Um, but it, was, it took a moment for me to just kind of gather myself. And I guess what Paul's praying for is boldness so that he's not unaware of that fear. He's not, he's not caught off guard by it. It's not like all of a sudden something, some, something comes aggressively at him and he's just completely rocked by it. He's completely shocked. Um, he doesn't want to be crippled by fear or paralyzed about what to say in front of people. He doesn't want to clam up or go silent. Um, Paul says, I'm going to open my mouth. He says in verse... Uh, is it still up? Yeah, there we are. Where is it? that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mission. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to open my mouth. I just pray that God will give me the words. So Paul asked them to pray that he would speak boldly with words given to him by God. So what's the aim of his bold speaking? What's the aim of it? Um, well, Paul's aim was to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's what it says here. Um, and what is this mystery of the gospel? Well, to answer the mystery of the gospel, we need to answer two questions um, first, really. One, what is the gospel? Um, and two, why is it a mystery? The gospel literally means good news. And Paul often uh, gives summaries in his writings um, of this good news. Um, so, let, so I just wanted to have a quick look at one in Colossians, um, which is, there we go, um, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, don't worry about that phrase, um, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Paul says that the wrong that we do, our trespasses, he says in verse 13, our sin or our disobedience, it stacks up against us like a debt that we owe. The debt has demands against us, has legal demands. This debt has legal demands um, against us. Paul says that we are dead in our trespasses. We're dead in our sins, which means we have no, we effectively have no moral currency to buy ourselves out. We have, we have nothing in the bank. But the good news is that Jesus cancelled the record of debt. It didn't just disappear, he paid it in full. When he nailed it to the cross, he paid it with his moral currency. So it was like his perfect life when he sacrificed his perfect life, it was, it, was, it, was, it was effectively moral currency that he bought us out of debt and cancelled that record of debt because he nailed it to the cross. And it says that he disarmed the rulers and authorities. These guys from Ephesians 6, Paul refers to them in Ephesians 6 as well as rulers, authorities, spiritual forces and cosmic powers. And he says he's disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. So Jesus has victoried over them. So the gospel is incredibly good news. It's amazing good news when you think about it because basically all the debt that was stored up against us that had legal demands to us has been cancelled. It's been paid in full. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. However, if you haven't repented, if you haven't turned away from your old way of life, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross then his moral perfectness, his moral currency, can't be attributed to yours. Because at the moment, there's no, there's no relationship, there's no, there's no acceptance of what he's done. It's effectively like saying, well, it, you've got the wrong currency, you can't pay with that here. It's effectively what you're saying. The legal demands still lay claim against you. And while you can try and piece things together and scrape together whatever you can to try and satisfy those demands, you can never shift the balance and the record just grows and grows and grows. And in Romans uh, 6, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages, the, the ultimate, the legal demand that's over you is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And so why is this a mystery? Why, why is this gospel a mystery? Why is the good news a mystery? Well, it's a mystery for the very simple reason that you didn't deserve it. None of us deserved it. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. But it's a gift. And it, actually, if you, if, if you recognize the outstanding debt that you owe, it only confirms that you don't deserve it because you know the price you had to pay. See, Paul's aim was to proclaim the mystery of the gospel and declare it. Paul's planning to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He's going to wield this sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We touched on this last week, but in the context of prayer, praying God's word at the right time, praying what God's heart is for the situation. Um, We looked briefly at the relationship between two Greek words, rima and logos, um, both of which can mean word. Um, logos, if you like, is a tangible um, uh, utterance, uh, an actual word. So whether it's written or verbal, it's a, it's a word that's, that comes. Um, whereas rima is a much more uh, dynamic uh, word. It, it speaks of almost the effect of that word proceeding. 
Um, so if you think of it that logos is, is, is a more general term for word, and then rima is almost a, a much more narrower explanation, a much more narrower implication of those words, a much more narrower outworking of those words. And so the Greek, the Greek in verse 19 um, is logos. He says, as Paul says, as I speak, um, he's in faith that God will act through it. So this, this, this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which we referred to last week and we've just touched on briefly, actually that's, perf- that's primarily outworked through humans speaking and God speaking off the back of it. So when we speak, God's power comes off the back of it. Um, so he's just saying, he's effectively saying, pray for me, um, that what I say is the reamer of God in my logos. He's saying, what I say is God's divine utterance in this situation through my earthly tongue. So as I speak words, God, come and work. Um, I think Paul knew that as he was proclaiming the gospel, he was proclaiming the truth of Jesus. And so as he preaches the gospel, he's saying, give, give me the words to say. Give me the words now. Give me the words that will, that will break open situations. Give me the words that will expose hearts, that will, that will convict people, that will bring them uh, to repentance, to know God. He proclaims the mystery of the good news with words that are given by God. And to that end, the good, the good news of Jesus is a double-edged sword in prayer and proclamation. If you like, like I said before, it's the other edge of the sword. It's the other blade. Um, it could be used in proclaiming the mystery of the gospel and declaring it boldly. It's the same weapon, just with a different application. It's another part of the same weapon. Again, the thing about the sword in this passage is it's the only weapon. So if we look at Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, it's the only weapon we're given. We aren't given any other weapons. I mean, you could try you know, attacking an army with your shoe um, or with a breastplate or a helmet, but it's not going to work. It's not nearly as effective as a sword. Um, and the reason the sword of the Spirit is the only weapon we've got, because the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is the only weapon we really need. The Word of God in situations, the Word of God speaking into situations, Word of God speaking into now, actively um, affecting life and circumstances as we know it at the moment. And so, just as we kind of come into finish off a little bit, um, I'd just like to look at one more passage that kind of gives us a slightly different perspective um, on on both of these. Um, So if we can have uh, Revelation uh, 12 verses, there we go. Um, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives even unto death. You see, the accuser of the brothers, our enemy, the one who who comes with legal demands, the record of debt with legal demands has been thrown down. And it says, and, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. By the word of their testimony, the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's what Paul's saying. Overcome by the words of their testimony. 
And for they love not their lives even unto death. Then Paul in verse 19, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul says, I, like my, my, my goal isn't to get out of chains. My goal is to preach the gospel. That's his purpose. That's his primary purpose. Paul wasn't um, concerned with his own, own life. His request was for boldness. Um, all, this, all this can sound a little bit like bravado. Well, it's just Paul's character. It's just the way Paul was. Um, but, but actually, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and says, actually, I, I, I didn't come out of pride and arrogance. I wasn't of, of noble speech. Um, he, wasn't, he wasn't particularly eloquent. And so we know that that wasn't his strength anyway. But also, uh, we, we know that he, it's not bravado. It's not just loud talking and, and risk-taking and, and going all wild and all out. Um, but it is actually it's confidence in the, third, in the third thing that's overcome. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. The fact that the record of debt was nailed to the cross and Jesus shed his blood and triumphed over the enemy by rising again. That's where his confidence is. His confidence is in the message. If you're a believer here today, if you're not a believer here today, I would just say that you, you need to accept this free gift of salvation. Um, you do that by repenting of your sin, by turning away um, from disobedience, from turning away from your trespasses, as we read in Colossians. You might not know what it will lead to. You might not know what's next. Like Paul, he didn't necessarily know what was coming um, or what it will cost. But to be honest, the question isn't really about what it's going to cost you. The question is about what it cost Jesus, what it cost him. It cost him his life. He laid down his life. And he, he, this, this debt, this record of debt that stood against you, he paid it with his life. It was owed in your name, but he paid it with his life. And if you are a believer, um, then I've just got one simple challenge for you, that you would proclaim boldly the gospel, believing that as you open your mouth, God will give you words to say, even if it costs, even if it hurts, even if it means sacrificing relationships, sacrificing um, reputation, status, all of the above. Because it cost Jesus everything to die on that cross for your sin. I want to I just illustrate, uh, illustrate this for you. I realize that, that that can be a little bit abstract. It can be a little bit distant from reality. Um, so let me just illustrate this for you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, well, just over a week ago, um, I got chatting to someone on a bus. Um, I was with a friend and we were on our way home. Um, and we were just talking about God, um, and I was kind of looking for a bit of an opportunity to, to kind of jump in. Um, and all of a sudden, this, 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 another passenger on the bus just kind of butted into our conversation. Um, and he said, this sounds interesting. What are you talking about? Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was a little bit thrown by it, but I was like, uh, God, what do you think about him? Um, and, and actually, it turned out my friend then got off at the next stop, because that was his stop, um, and so I just sat, st- well, stood on this bus with this guy and just shared my faith with him. And just kind of, it, I mean, it was just kind of like so, it was so God. It was an opportunity that kind of I, I just stepped out and just kind of, okay, well, I'm going to go for this. Um, and I took the opportunity, and it wasn't necessarily the one I was planning to, um, but I went with it and just trusted God um, and trusted that he would give me the world words to say. And the conversation ended with this guy basically saying, my, my worldview doesn't make sense, um, you, like in terms, of, in terms of the way I see it, it's inconsistent, and I recognize that, and so I need to go and explore this Jesus thing. I've got to look into it, because it doesn't fit with what I, th- it doesn't fit with what I thought was watertight. 
It doesn't make sense. What it leads to isn't life-giving. And so, and, 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 and it's just a snippet of actually kind of a, a moment where you just take the opportunity with, and just step out with boldness and just believe that as you speak, God will give you the words. I tried to recite the conversation to Tanika, but yeah, I've got no idea what I said. But this, <laughs> but this guy at the end of it was like, well, I've got to look into Jesus. Uh, you know, and, and I think, so there is like a real uh, dynamic element to it. Um, so if the, if the band want to come up, um, I'm just going to finish off. Um, we're going to take, take bread and wine um, together. Uh, this is a time for us to remember Jesus' death on the cross, to remember all that he paid for us in that sacrifice. Um, if you're not a believer, um, then it's got no special power in and of itself. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but if you are a believer, then this is actually something that is quite, it, it's incredibly powerful um, because what you're doing is you're identifying with Christ's death. You're saying that debt that you paid on my behalf, I'm, I'm, I'm receiving your gift. I'm receiving that free gift of eternal life. Um, if, you want, if, if, if you felt that anything that you particularly wanted to uh, make a decision to follow Jesus, or you think, hey, actually, you know, I, I've seriously got to look into this, then I would encourage you to speak to someone. Either speak to somebody you came with, come and find myself, um, come find Steph. We'd love to chat with you. We'd love to work it through with you. Um, uh, you know, but just really do. Let's let let let's hold this in our hearts. Let's let's recognise the, the 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 power that's in this. Um, that as as Paul prayed for boldness to speak and proclaim the mystery of the gospel, that we too would be those that just kind of um, as believers just say, yeah, like I'm I'm going for this too. I'm 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 receiving that commission to receive boldness from God and to speak and proclaim the mystery of the gospel as I ought. I'm going to pray and then we're going to hand over to the band. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power, Lord, of your cross. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you cancelled the record of debt. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you nailed it to the cross. Lord, I thank you that now I celebrate, Lord, because, Lord, it's no longer counted against me. Lord, the accuser, Lord, that used to come and demand legal demands, Lord, is gone. Lord, he's been thrown down. Lord, you've triumphed. You've victoried over him, Lord. And now I'm free in you. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm released, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your good news. Lord, I thank you for the mystery of your gospel. Lord, that it would be given to me of grace. Lord, it would be given to me completely undeserved. Lord, it would be given to me, Lord, but just by, out of your sheer love, Lord. I just pray, Lord, now, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, I pray you would help us focus on you. Lord, I pray you would help us as believers, Lord Jesus, to um, step out and believe you. Lord, believe that you can speak into situations. Lord, believe that you can open doors. Lord, believe that you can transform lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.